Well, good morning, saints. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord together, sharing the common life together. That is one of the key themes that John develops within his first epistle, is fellowship, sharing the common life. And that life is in Christ. Our fellowship is not based upon our political ideology or affiliation or where we're from or what our job is or what our hobbies are or our sports team or whether we like sports or whatever it is. That is not the basis of our fellowship. The church of Jesus Christ is the most beautiful Beautiful body of people the world over throughout the ages. People who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same is true here in individual local churches. A key theme for John is the life of God in the believer. I'll say that again. The life of God in the life of the believer. To be a Christian is to have the very life of God in us. And so it is a reasonable expectation and assumption that we will see characteristics of God in us. Because God's spirit lives within us. Now there is a stark difference between God and evil. There is a stark difference between the Christian and the world. And John is the one who is going to develop his theology Through a study of contrasts. If you read the gospel of John. And the letters of John. You will find that John. Persistently creates an image for us. So we know that there is a distinction. Without any middle ground. In today's passage. Please note the content. Or the contrast. Between light. And darkness. John will develop the theme of fellowship through this contrast. What it means to have fellowship primarily with God. John will bear this out. So let's read now from 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. And before we actually read it, just remember this. John is speaking from personal experience. When the Lord Jesus first called John to follow him. Remember he gave him a little nickname. Son of Thunder. John was that guy. As we saw last week. John was that guy who was tempestuous. He was rough around the edges. When people he didn't like did things that he didn't like, well, he was ready to go at it. Remember, he turned to Jesus 
and said, well, shall we call down fire now? Like he was done. That was it. But John learned to walk with Jesus. John became filled with the Holy Spirit. And John learned to walk with Christ in the same way that we need to walk with the Lord. And through that fellowship, John was transformed. He wasn't made into a better version of John. He was transformed. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. So remember, as John is writing his letter, he's old. Likely in his 80s at this point. Elderly. Most likely writing from exile. Suffering for the gospel. Suffering for Christ. Many of his fellow disciples have already been martyred at this point. So keep that in mind. John is not sharing with you a hopeful ideology that he hopes you will latch on to and maybe you'll buy into what he's selling you. John is simply speaking the truth, but he's doing it from his own personal vantage point of what the Lord has done in his own life. First John chapter one, beginning in verse five, we read this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And just keep in mind, John doesn't beat around the bush either, by the way. He says, we lie. And do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Remember what I said last week. In this letter, you're going to find truth applicable for the unbeliever. You're going to see truth applicable for the believer as well. Now the synoptics. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called that because they kind of see things through the same lens. They're presenting the life of Jesus through the same lens. Matthew, Mark, and Luke focus more on what Jesus did. John will focus more on who Jesus is. There's an unlikely starting point, I think, for John as he describes plainly who God is. John will highlight the holiness of God. You might expect he's just kind of given his little introduction. And you might expect him to get, have like a kumbaya moment to talk about the love and the mercy and all of those things that are wonderful about the Lord. But that's not where John starts. John starts with the holiness of God. Now, let's begin with a passage that I've referenced often lately. Notice that Paul will also create a contrast. Paul will also speak about a contrast between those who know the Lord and those who don't. Paul will use this contrast to define what a Christian is. Colossians 1, 
God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. The same contrast that John is using. He has delivered us from a from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Now notice what contrast he uses. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Do you see how John contrasts darkness, the domain of darkness, to the domain, as John would call it, of light, it where there is redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So let's begin by defining these terms. This is very important for this letter. I almost feel as if I'm still kind of setting the stage for us to understand all that is to come. What is darkness? And why and how do both John and Paul use this term? Now think about it. If you're in Awana or you're an Awana graduate, you will be able to tell me right away how many books there are in the New Testament. How many are there? I just heard a mumble. (laughs) There's 27. 27 books in the New Testament. 18 of them were written by our friends, John and Paul. So it's important that these guys are honing in on this concept of darkness and they use it throughout their letters or their writings. Now, the true author of Scripture, yes, there are people who wrote the letters or the books, but the true author of Scripture is the Holy Spirit. So we know, as God was guiding these authors to write their books and their letters, we know that the Lord had an overriding picture that He wanted us to see. We see this concept of light and darkness All throughout the Bible. So let's highlight Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 20. Reads this. Woe to those who call evil good. And good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You'll often see these poetic forms in the Hebrew scriptures. Isaiah is driving home his point. He's basically saying the same things three times over. And it's all what follows the word woe. Right? He's, he's, called, he's pronouncing a woe on the people. But he says, those who call evil good. It's not just that they do evil. But they actually rename it and repurpose it to be good. It's what every generation does. 
if you were to put these, these three little statements like in columns, here's what you would see. You would see evil, darkness, and bitter. You would see good, righteousness, light, and sweet. Isaiah is drawing out this contrast using light and darkness. An apt description of spiritual fog, evil and confusion. Listen to what Isaiah said later on. For behold, chapter 60, verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. There's the contrast. There's darkness that covers the earth itself. Remember, creation is under a curse. But the people, well, that's a thick darkness. The contrast there is the glory of God. Now, if we follow the movement throughout scripture, we will see how the New Testament employs this idea of light and darkness and they will tether it, they will tie it intrinsically to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our friend John. What is the most beloved and well-known verse in the entire Bible? It is indeed John 3.16. But sometimes we miss the context. After this wonderful pronouncement of what the true, the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is in John 3.16... What follows is very important for us to see in verse 18, but also in verse 19. Watch what he says. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. There's a very simple statement about human nature, and that simply is this. We love darkness, we walk in darkness, we love our sin, and so we walk in our sin. And so when the light comes, well, that convicts us of our sin. And so what what John describes is exactly what we see over and over and over again, and that is the holiness of God and the truth of God. I would dare say the hope and the joy and the peace and the freedom of God have come to us in Jesus Christ. But we like our darkness better. And so we reject Christ. Want to see something neat? Take your Bibles, turn or scroll to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. There are few passages in Isaiah that are more well known than this one. Verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Some of you are singing at this point in your mind. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and so on. We love that passage because it tells us who Christ is and what he will do and who, who he will be for us. But don't forget the context. Isaiah sets it up. Look at verse 2. The end of verse 1, he's talking about the people in beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. This is how Isaiah, this is how John described the advent of the Messiah, the coming of Christ, Jesus coming to us. We live in darkness, we walk in darkness, we have no real hope, we are a slave to sin, to temptation, we are beset by so many things that are wrong in this world, but those people who walk in darkness have now seen a great light because Christ. Has come. John tells us who Jesus is more than the other gospel writers. Jesus Christ is the light of God. He is the holiness of God. He is the truth of God that will set us free from the lies of the enemy. So, The contrast is already becoming clear. There's darkness and there's light. So let's take a moment and confirm the usage of the word light. When you think of light in John's letter here, again, think the holiness of God. Think truth. You see, remember, John is the one who talks about believing in Jesus more than anybody else. Because Jesus is the truth. John will will show us the statements of Jesus that define who he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In that sense, Jesus is the light. So Jesus is the light of God. And so John will echo what Paul told the Colossians. He shows us what Jesus himself said. John chapter 12, verse 46. By the way, John never identifies himself as the author of the Gospel of John or the three letters. In fact, he doesn't like to use his own name. What we have consistently done from the very beginning of the church, from church tradition, is simply looked at the fact that these, the, the Gospel of John in particular and the first three letters of John are so similar, same language, same emphases, is rather clear. And we agree with the church fathers that John was the author. Jesus says this, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me 
may not remain in darkness. So Isaiah says, the people who dwelt in a land of darkness, they've seen a great light. John wants us to see this about Jesus. Yes, the light has come. But we know the all too typical human response, John 3.19, people love their darkness rather than the light. But that's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. When we come to the place under conviction of the Holy Spirit where we see our need and we see our inability to rectify our problem. That is, we are not reconciled with God at all. That is when the light becomes the most beautiful, the most precious one that our soul loves. So... John shows us what Jesus says. When we believe in Christ, when we're born again, we're no longer in darkness. But note, John also develops another theme. And that's the word walk. This is a term that the Old Testament and the New Testament alike will use. When we talk about our walk, we're talking about our personal conduct, our daily routine, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we live, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, and so forth. So now John is going to tie together believing in Jesus and walking with Jesus. Because a Christian is not someone who merely had a moment. A Christian is one who has the life of God inside of them. Notice again how Jesus develops this truth. John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, now it's very, very direct. I am the light of the world. Remember, John tells us who Jesus is. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have The light of life. Every word of God is tested. Every last word of God is tested. Proverbs 30 tells us. Notice the connect of these terms. Light, life, walk, darkness, What John is telling us here, what Jesus is communicating to us, is as we walk with him, as we follow him, we're no longer where we were before. Living in darkness, living in confusion, living in all manner of difficulties that are without Christ. I take you back to our passage, 1 John 5, chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message 
And we proclaim it to you. John repeats himself here. It's a very, very forceful statement. He is proclaiming to you the truth. He is proclaiming to you the message from God himself as seen in Jesus Christ. And this is what John is anxious for us to see. The life of God in the life of one who says that he or she is a believer. If we say, if we say we have fellowship with God, but an obvious observation of our life is that we're walking in darkness. I don't mean falling into temptation. I mean, that's our life. We lie. John doesn't mess. He doesn't put it in vague terms. He says, if your testimony and your life do not match one another, you're lying. As a Christian, we'll develop this concept of fellowship and also joy that John mentions. As a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ, do we get it perfect every time? No, we don't. And so the wonderful provision that John will share with us in this chapter is what it looks like for a believer who is now has the life of God inside of her. Now, how, when she struggles and falls or sins, how does she maintain that fellowship that she now have with God in real time? I don't mean our positional fellowship. I mean the enjoyment of God every single day. Because I will tell you, and I think we all know this innately, there are so many ways that we live below that fellowship of joy that God wants us to have. There are so many things and temptations and troubles and heartaches and distractions that will keep us from the Lord. And John wants our fellowship, first of all, with the Lord and with one another to be rich, to be full of joy to have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So this is a major theme in the, in the first letter of John. And we'll conclude that next week as we continue to work through the chapter. Light and darkness. Everything that we read in John's epistle here will flow from that contrast, that difference. We cannot live anymore where we used to be. That's important for John. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer. I said from the very beginning that as we journey through this wonderful letter, there will be truths for the unbeliever. 
there will be truths for the believer. This question of fellowship is so important. As we begin to settle into this wonderful letter, ask yourself this question. What are dynamics that are impeding your walk with Christ? That are holding you back. That are keeping you from that abundant life that Jesus spoke of. What are the dynamics? What are the lies that you're believing? What are the temptations you're falling to? There's no shame here. We all need each other. And we need to be reminded of what it means and what it looks like to walk with the Lord. Full of joy. Full of confidence. So that the peace of God and the God of peace reigns in our heart. I mentioned this before, I encourage you to read this letter over and over and over again in the weeks to come. Read it every week. What John has to say, it penetrates. On one level, he's a very easy to read, I'll even use the word simple author. Like what he says is right there, but but if you stop and you ponder what he's saying, some of it is very hard to truly understand, and a lot of it, Hits home. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope of Christ. Thank you for the light that penetrates into the darkness. Thank you for the light that brings conviction. Thank you for the light that gives us hope and freedom. Lord, we know that Christ has come to set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, Lord, there is no question these are contentious times. These are difficult times. These are contentious times even in the fellowship of believers. May we never lose sight of whose we are in Christ. Our eternal perspective and our eternal hope. Lord God, thank you. For your kindness towards us. We pray that the simplicity and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would be clearly grasped. And understood. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. We give you thanks in Jesus name. Amen.